welcome to Bayer Cropcast with your technical field representatives from right around Australia. In this Cropcast, we'll give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to agronomy and growing healthy crops. We are passionate about the future of agriculture and crop protection, and we look forward to having you join us on Bayer Cropcasts. Welcome to Bayer Cropcast. It's episode 11. I'm Craig White, market development agronomist at Bayer, and I'm joined with my colleagues Matt Willis from Western Australia and Tim Murphy over in South Australia. How are you today, guys? Good, thanks, Whitey. Good to be here, mate. Always love being on the Cropcast. Yep, it's a great yeah. thing. How are you, Tim? We're good, Whitey, and um, yeah, good to be back for another for 2020, the first podcast of the year. Yep, no, fantastic. So up to episode 11, guys, and a bit later on, we've got a couple of our other colleagues from over in New South Wales and Queensland having a talk about the seasonal conditions over there and a few other topics. But we've got a lot to talk about uh, in this little session, and um, we're doing this, um, you know, remotely from around the country at the moment, and uh, we've been travelling a lot, guys. So where have you guys been? Well, a few weeks ago, we were in Melbourne all together, doing a bit of a review of our trial work from 2019, getting all the data together so we can then provide it to yep. our, 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 our customer base. Uh, and uh, then we caught up again a couple of weeks ago uh, in Brisbane around uh, the Bayer portfolio. It's always a fun time to catch up with our colleagues. And uh, yeah, and uh, we're back on the deck now and out and about catching up with a few of our reseller agents on the ground level and a lot of growers and just talking about the 2020 season. That's right, and Tim, I know we've uh, been at all those meetings together, but I'm sure you've been tracking around the place as well. What, what's sort of been in your um, neck of the woods in the last few weeks? Yeah, look, uh, after returning back from the, you know, the Brisbane, the marketing, sales and marketing up there, and uh, actually yeah, getting an update from Bale, what uh, we've been out just just lining up um, this year's trial works and cleaning off the um, last season and catching up with growers, Things like that. So just that quiet time of the year and trying to catch up on uh, on paperwork, mate. Uh, that's yeah. all I've been doing. There's also been a lot of rainfall around the, the whole of Australia, actually, in, the, in throughout February, uh, well over 100 mils in some parts of northern WA, and it's kept the growers very busy with uh, summer spraying, killing off all the weeds they can so they can conserve that, 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 that soil moisture. And there's even talk that we get another rainfall event uh, in the next couple of weeks throughout March that guys will be putting in some long-season canola to take advantage of that mm. moisture and get some really good water use efficiency, get the crop out of the ground early. Yeah, but then there's also concerns also when you put the crop in early is there's increased uh, pressure for disease and insects so it's uh, generally if you've got a crop out of the ground in the uh, start of april there's not much other green elsewhere so the, the bugs make a, a beeline for the newly emerged crops so it's a high risk high reward uh, strategy to go that early with your your planting but yeah, it's uh, very topical right now yeah, sure, and that's really important, isn't it, for, um, you know, what's on the seed and seed treatment, but you can't just rely on them alone. You'll have to make sure that the monitoring goes along with it as you go. Mm. And, Tim, you, you were going to add something to that from South Australian point yeah. of view? Yeah, no, it's good. It's the first time in a long time we've actually started with a little bit of moisture in the profile. So, um, like uh, the WAs, we've had some rain, but um, probably not as much. And, um, yeah, some good... Good uh, opportunity to clean up some weeds and, more importantly, to uh, break down some chemical from last year. To, uh, mm, yep. Yeah, it helps with the, um, the plant backs and things like that. So that uh, frees up some paddocks for the rotation, which is good. It's really good, yep. yeah. We're getting we're getting a few questions on that and, you know, advice is make sure we, 
really adhere to those label recommendations about plant back and of course talk to your Bayer advisors about uh, what you should be doing and if you have any concerns on that at all and we'll give out at the end of the podcast how to get in touch with us at Bayer. Yep, certainly. And moisture is a big requirement. A lot of the products in the Bayer portfolio require microbial breakdown and mm-hmm. that requires moisture, particularly over the summer. And we've had a very dry finish to the 2019 season and up until a few weeks ago, a very dry summer as well. So it was most appreciated as rainfall to help break down some some of those chemical residues and uh, yeah, looking good going into the 2020 season now. Yep, uh, lots of optimism. We talk a little bit later with... Uh, colleagues from over in New South Wales and Queensland where they've had some rain finally after the very dry um, conditions, obviously the bushfires and all of those terrible issues going on down the east coast. And, yeah, they uh, the guys have got some great messages, so stay and listen to that a little bit later on. Now, guys, um, yeah, we've been travelling around a lot, as we said. It's been really important at this time of the year and the beginning of the year that we've been able to you know, share what we did in 2019 season. We've also been updating advisors at our Bayer Connect events, which I'll move on to in a moment. But, of course, you know, we're tracking, travelling around. There's a lot of time zones and daylight savings and all that sort of stuff in Australia. And some days I've been, back then I was sort of waking up wondering which city I was in. And have you guys updated your GPS units lately? Or have you done that? No, I, uh, I did that. And it was the worst thing I could have done was update my GPS unit because it... Uh, when I did the update, it actually installed Bono from U2 and installed his voice as the voice assistant. And now every time oh I turn no. my GPS unit on, Matt, it, uh, <laughs> the streets have no names and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Oh, dear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, guys, we'll move on. Just you, 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 you slip that one in there, Whitey. Usually we, we know we can wait safely until the end of the crop cast before the Whitey joke comes in. Get it in early. in there early and trying to catch yeah. us off guard. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on and we'll have some good, useful information throughout the podcast. So don't hang up yet or don't switch off. <laughs> now, Bayer Connect, um, an event we've been running for a few years, indeed a lot of years of this type of event um, in, in different parts of Australia, but we recently held two Bayer Connect events for advisors in uh, both South Australia and Western Australia. So, Tim, I might start with you um, with the Adelaide or South Australian event. Just, you know, how was it? Um, how many attendees did you have and what sort of just broadly topics and any key, just real quick key outtakes? And then we'll delve into a couple of them a little bit deeper as we go through. Yeah, no, um, thanks, Whitey. Yeah, the, uh, the Adelaide event was run uh, a couple of weeks ago. And um, look, there was over 80 industry people there that was made up of, um, you know, agros, um, researchers, and um, oh, there was the, uh, a couple of Bayer people attended as well. So, no, it was good, um, good turnout. We've grown that event uh, each year, which to me shows that we're actually delivering what people want and uh, we're, we're keeping them up to speed on where Bayer's going and we're delivering some good content that... Um, yeah, we covered off on a couple of our new herbicides that we've got in development at the moment, and um, no doubt we'll talk soon on, on what those are. We also had uh, Dr Ken Young there from um, GRDC to talk about the Herbicide Innovation Partnership that uh, Bayer and uh, GRDC have got running, and that was really good to see where we're going with that. Um, but yeah, no, the night was was enjoyed by all, and there was some good networking going on. Well, probably well and truly late into the night, but um, yeah, no, she was a good uh, good event there, Whitey. Uh, it's good, and look, the importance of these events is that we call it Bayard Connect for a reason, connecting with you know the top advisors uh, um, all around Australia, 
Uh, we'll also be doing Connect events in the field during 2020 and beyond. Um, but it's really about that continuous feedback. And, you know, when we look at what we talked about last year, how we approach that during the field season 2019, and then deliver those results back. And as you say, have lots of networking, which is very, very important, just like we did in Perth, Matt. So just a little bit on the Perth event, you and I over there, as well as our, our team and a, and a good turnout of people and good information at that one as well. Yeah, fantastic. Because the, the Perth event's been going on for quite a few years now, and it's very well attended by the regulars in the states and the consultants and uh, advisors uh, we had well over 100 people there this time which was a, a great turnout and some really positive feedback about the material presented which is quite complicated we put a lot of work into these and it's nice to hear that what we're putting forward is informative and helpful for these guys making the decision making going forward and you know on top of a few things that uh, Murph just mentioned we also had uh, at ours we had uh, Jeff Thomas from the Ag Department there talking about fungicide resistance and, and not just from looking, you obviously get a lot of information out there at a high level, um, talking about the, the, the biochemical side of uh, side of things, but Jeff really spoke to it from a paddock level. Like what this information is coming out about developing fungicide resistance, what does this mean at a paddock level? What does this mean in terms of from a grower's perspective and what, what we need to do as an industry to help stop this becoming a big issue? So it was really informative and he put some really good points forward. Sure did. Um, and then as well as that, we uh, we have a sort of chat around HPPDs, so HPPD herbicides, Group H, uh, very well known from the Bayer herbicides, Velocity and Precept, and obviously there are a few more from some competitors coming into the space right now, and it's become quite topical because uh, globally there's only two known weeds with resistance to uh, HPPD herbicides, both in America, water hemp and pomeramaranth. Um, and there's been some fears that something could be happening to wild radish for quite a while now because it's been been using these products for almost 10 years. And then it's probably at the point now we have to really take a step back and think, all right, this this, this could become an issue. We've had um, uh, a report come through from Ari just uh, early this month uh, coming out that they'd come across a population with a shift in sensitivity. So there's this population of wild radish. Uh, at Wongan Hills in Western Australia, where there had no HPPD herbicide had been applied to it at any stage, but we knew that it had resistance to uh, Group Cs, Group Is, Group Bs and Group Fs. So it never had any Group Hs applied to it, and yet when they were applying, in this case, they used mesotrione, used timbotrione and azoxaflutol, which is balanced, um, at some very low rates. In the laboratory, they were picking up some shifts in sensitivity, so at the low rates, it wasn't killing the weeds. And this, by definition, isn't resistance, but it's showing that things are changing. In this case, it was through cross-resistance. And then on top of that, there's the fear that there's, there's a few populations up in the northern regions around Mullawa, which there's been some concerns, and they've been sent across for testing um, by uh, Roberto Busi from ARI just to make check what's going on. But there's certainly some concern in the industry that we need to be really careful about how we do how we look after them, making sure we're not using uh, sequential uh, applications of group um, Group H products, one after the other, and where we can, using co-formulation or tank mixtures. So not just relying on a standalone active, but with uh, velocity, obviously, it's got pyrosulfatol in it and bromoxanol. So you've got two products, different modes of actions. And in this case, there is synergism between the two of them, which in a nutshell is one plus one equals more than two when it comes to efficacy. Um, and just making sure that whenever we're using a group H that it's in a tank mix or a co-formulation with another active to help look after it. And then that's on top of our usual recommendations of using the maximum rate required, making sure to use good application water rates, applying to small weeds early in the crop when there's not too much shading, 
and general application around nozzle setup, just making sure you're getting the maximum efficacy out of your product. And obviously, uh, mm-hmm. if a weed's dead, it's not going to be able to develop resistance, is it? No, that's right. So controlled weed um, is a controlled weed and, um, yeah, it doesn't make, have that opportunity to set any seed or, or whatever it may mm-hmm. be. It's very complex, and of it, course, and the researchers are still looking at, you know, why these uh, mm-hmm. populations are cross-resistance and there'll be a lot more effort put into that. But the message still remains the same as it's probably been for for many, many years, Matt. Uh Mix, rotate, do everything you can. You use every weed control tool that you have at your disposal to keep these uh, tools alive mm. and viable for as long as possible. Exactly. And, and people say that uh, people would expect as a chemical, we're generally um, predominantly known as a chemical company in day that we'd be talking chemicals, chemicals, chemicals. But at the end of the day, we want our chemicals to work as long as possible. So we want people to using non-chemical methods where they can uh, uh, harvest weed seed management's a really big one, uh, crop rotation, Pasture, sheep can uh, yep. help out in controlling things. That's, Crop competition, uh, a of options. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Don't just rely on the on the herbicides. And yeah, you know, we have a dedicated integrated weed management site or weed control site. Um, mix it up. Um, if you look for that on Google, that will also give you great insights and linkages through to that great information, including all the recommendations from the Weed Smart program as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's interesting there, uh, Matt. Um, yeah, it's something, the, the key messages we try and get across to the guys over here and um, same sort of thing, that uh, rotate your products and, um, yeah, make sure you mix it up a lot. So, look, good website. And, um, yeah, the one thing that I really did enjoy was the uh, Ken Young talking at the um, Bayer Connect. And, Whitey, do you want to, yeah, just go probably over a little bit about what Ken went through at the two um, two events? Uh, yeah, Tim, and you know, it was good, to, really good to have Dr. Ken Young at both of the events. He's a senior manager from GRDC, and we asked him to come along and talk about the Herbicide Innovation Partnership, which is a partnership at the global level between GRDC and Bayer. Um, you know, GRDC is investing uh, $45 million over five years in that particular program, and importantly, what this program's done is um, to rank Australia as a priority one country. So what that means is very early on in the development or discovery of of uh, molecules, um, they are tested on a broad range of Australian weeds, including out in Australia. So under very strict conditions, um, field conditions, we get that nice and early. So the understanding comes extremely early. And then later on in the process is where our field development comes in um, and then including... Um, market development that uh, we work in, we then start to help people bring it through and understand how to use and get the best out of it so that when you buy it as a product um, on farm, you know, the advisors are already well tuned to it. We can give great advice on it. You know, the other thing I think is great about the Herbicide Innovation Partnership is uh, broadening out the range of weeds that it's being tested on. And also it's brought some really good um, you know, students, postdoctoral students, um, there's about 33 now, I think, have gone through this program and are over in Germany mm. actively working away at different times, discovering new chemistry, um, very smart people that may not have considered a career in agriculture at all. So this program's also sort of increasing that capacity of um, new people coming in that might have gone into medical science or chemical science in another industry. And, you know, I've actually looked at agriculture because we know how important agriculture is. Um, for feeding the world so really really important herbicide innovation partnership fantastic get an update and if you want to know any more you can get in touch with uh, matt tim or myself or anybody at bayer and we can um, give you a little bit more info certainly 
So, look, one other topic we did touch on and we'll do a lot more as the season progresses. We had uh, Dr Jeff Thomas talking on fungicides and fungicide resistant, but we'll bring more updates in future Bayer crop casts. And, yeah, Matt, I believe since you're in Brisbane, you had an interesting fact that you wanted to uh, challenge Tim there on. So you want yeah, to give that the old facts. Yeah, yeah every, every, every week we grasp, but you'll be surprised. Every time I run into someone who actually listens to this, they always comment on the facts, either in a ironic way, but either way, people are paying attention. And, and, and the there, jokes. Come on, man. The oh, jokes, and the they, jokes. They, they do, the yeah. jokes do get a mention. They let me know. attached to it when they talk about yeah. it. So <laughs> it, it, gets, it gets attention. But at the Perth Connect event, I actually ran into one of my former clients from a previous role of mine. He's a, he's a farmer down at um, Danny Wagen in, in Western Australia, and he comments on it. So, Tristan, I'll give you a little shout-out, mate, for that. But uh, I thought I'd roll into the facts now. And given that uh, we were in Brisbane at the time, and, and Tim Murphy, for those that you don't know, he spent a fair proportion of his life, claimed uh, Queensland. How long were you up there for, Murph? Oh, about 20-odd uh, years. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so you love them to call yourself a Queenslander. So, let me give you a test here, mate. So, Queensland, it's got a, what are the two animals that are on the coat of arms of Queensland? Yeah, that is a uh, that's a tricky one because oh look, any anyone would think that it's got to be a cane toad and a crocodile or something like yeah, that. Don't be wrong though, they'd be wrong. They're not. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think there's a bird on there, but I don't know yeah, what one, type. One, so, one, uh, one of them yeah. is a bird. Take a guess. What's a what's a bird that's in Queensland? Oh well, I think uh, yeah, memory serves me right. It would be something like the brolger, I yeah, think. Yeah, there you go. So you got them, but the second one, I don't think you're gonna oh. get. So no, don't even that's try. It's a yeah. it's a red red deer. Red deer. Oh, so, the interesting part of that is that it's the only coat of arms in Australia with an in being the, the red deer. So, very wow. interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll do some digging and some more research before the next crop cast to find out why that is. But uh, for the day, guys. That is really interesting. No wow. So generally, when we do this, we kick on to your interesting app. Have you got any apps for us today, Whitey? Yeah, well, one I came across recently, and I know I've shared this one with you guys now, is Frack app which is a global mm. organisation and, you know, give out some fungicide resistance um, best practice, um, how to get the most out of fungicides and uh, in terms of resistance management. And, yeah, FRAC have just uh, released a nice new little app. So just go F-R-A-C, FRAC. And um, what it does is really nice. It's a nice little front end to actually, you know, getting deeper into the information that's available to help you manage fungicide resistance and understand how to uh, avoid it, I suppose, and and uh, types of fungicides that are available available globally. But yeah, I just thought it was a really nice one. I don't know whether you guys have had a chance to have a look at that front end yet, uh, that little app or not. Mm, yeah, it looks, good. It looks very interesting. So yeah, we'll delve into that a bit later on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you pretty, go pretty useful. Yeah, no, it does look good because otherwise, you know, you go to the website and it can almost be a bit daunting on how to find anything there. And uh, whereas the, I think the apps really address that and they've done a great job of releasing that. FRAC, Fungicide Resistance Action Committee. And uh, yeah, have a look at that one. If you're interested in fungicides and getting the most out of it, agronomist, advisor listening to this, I reckon you should be downloading the FRAC app. Mm, very good, mate. Good. Oh, well, look, we've covered a great uh, range of topics there and, you know, we, we, uh, we'll head across the, the borders shortly and, and talk to the colleagues over in Queensland and New South Wales. But, you know, you can get in touch with Matt, Tim or myself through our Twitter handles. And Matt, yours is? Mine is. Matt Willis Ag, at Matt Willis Ag. And Murph, yours is a little bit more complex, but grab a pen, listeners, yeah. and uh, yeah. do this one. 
Yeah, make sure you've got a pen here. This is a very easy one to remember. It's um, at Tim Merp, 950-177. So, yeah, very easy one there to remember. But don't, how, how, how did that just, come about, mate? How, 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 do you, how do you come up with things? <laughs> yeah, I think that's just what happens when uh, when you're uh, really not knowing what you're doing. You end I reckon up if it's like Tim Murphy into the circle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just uh, check out the good-looking looking bloke. Oh, very good. And I'll put all the Twitter handles, uh, contacts for all of the market development agronomists in the show notes. So if you didn't get Murphs, then uh, you can have a look in there and get in touch with him. All right, guys, thanks very much. It's great to catch up with you. Thanks for your input. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, thanks, Adam, as always. See you later. See you, yeah, it was really good to talk to Matt Willis and Tim Murphy about the Bayer Connect events that we held in Perth and Adelaide recently, but I'm now joined by Gus McLennan, my colleague over in New South Wales, and Gus, um, you're going to have some Bayer Connect events in the field this season. Can you tell listeners a little bit about what they might entail, Bayer Connect in the field? Yep, sure, Whitey. Um, we've taken a bit of a different approach over here in the East uh, this year and last year, actually, where... We're conducting our Bayer Connect events, uh, as you've said, in the field. So last year we had a, a mix of indoor presentations from external speakers and then also trial tours. This year we'll probably just focus a bit more on the trial tours side of things. So um, still in the planning process of how all that may look, but uh, worked really well last year with uh, bringing people out into the field introducing uh, interactive trial assessments, uh, which was, I think, a, a bit of a highlight of what we did. Yeah, um, it sounds really good. I might ask you a little bit more about that in a moment, why and yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, the plan is to have one in southern New South Wales, and I think there's also plans in the wings for, for one down in Victoria as well too, which will be great, um, as opposed to having the, the Connect event in in say uh, in in and around the GRDC, so uh, infield one will be planned for Vic as well, which would be good. Yeah, no, it sounds really good. I mean, look, we we're doing a lot of field activity right around the country, from Queensland round to Western Australia, and uh, this is just a nice element. So, Gus, you'd mentioned about the interactive trial assessments. I mean, that's something we've you know do what we call blind rating, I guess, in our trial sites, and we'll explain what that is in a moment but just stepping it up a notch now with the new um, interactive ways so can you just want to describe to listeners why we're doing that and how that would sort of how that would work in the paddock yep there's um, a couple of couple of reasons why we're doing it well probably first of all what it actually is is, is say a, a web-based trial assessment um, platform that we send people the link to when we're in the paddock which will take them to uh, an assessment form with instructions in how to assess a trial uh, and the particular types of trials we're looking at. Uh, and then in real time, they can assess the trials. And as, as you mentioned, we take them through a replicate of the trials that are, are not labelled and they're just numbered, say one to six usually. Uh, and they rate those plots on a sliding scale, say of naught to 100. And then that data feeds back into, into um, uh, overall uh, volume of, of information which we spit out um, results from and the reason we're doing it is um, oh, a number of reasons we're doing it is is to gain uh, I guess some more involvement from those who are visiting the sites and the feedback we had last year was really positive in terms of it, it actually made people pay closer attention and look into the plots and, and really analyse, I suppose, themselves as to what was happening in these plots. So it gives them a better feel for 
um, results. And then we can also, my other reasons is we can also then use that information to benchmark our own results against. Uh, and then I guess the, the final piece is if we're doing these trials across the country in 2020 and everyone's doing the same trials with the same ratings and so on, we can then pull that data and it gives us a really powerful bank of, of data uh, across a set of treatments, which gives everybody more confidence in, in what we're seeing in the field and, and I guess what we're bringing to market in the future. Yeah, it really does help um, everyone that views those trials to actually, you know, look at it and deeply look at it um, in, in their own thoughts and, yeah, benchmark that against what everyone else is seeing and also what the company, what we're producing and whatnot. And as you say, give a lot more confidence and insight into the great developments that we're undertaking at Bayer. Yep. Right, good. Now, on that, Gus, that'll be really exciting to use that. We'll be rolling that out across uh, Australia this year to, to in different locations, so I'm really looking forward to using that as well. Um, compared to the old triplicate sheets we've perhaps done in the past, um, be a lot lot better and a lot more um, timely. But, yeah, Gus, you know, what's the season going like in New South Wales? I mean, from where I sit, it's been a, a you know, hard time over the last 12 to 18 months or so and, you know, different people with different different issues. But, um, you know, with the rain we're hearing about, um, has the drought broken? And what's if it has, uh, Gus, what's that going to mean for 2020 cropping season? Um, well, I'll be a game man to say the drought's broken. <laughs> um, I thought I so. Be, wouldn't be airing it publicly if I, <laughs> if I was going to state it. But look, um, if you'd called a couple of days ago, why didn't we done this interview a couple of days ago? Things would have been different. But yep. um, just in the last forty-eight hours, I'm down in Wagga, and we've had kind of between fifty and hundred mils down here. Good. And uh, that's been really actually very widespread um, right up the up the state into Queensland. Um, and into Victoria as well. So uh, absolute um, brilliant start. I know the central west of New South Wales has already had a really good start, whereas we missed out and we were a bit patchy in the south um, earlier in the year. But say some of that country through the central west and up to the border has had, you know, in excess of 300 mils for the season or for the, for the calendar year already, um, which is fantastic for them because they've had such a touch, tough run over the last four or five years. So... Um, sitting pretty at the moment. Still a lot of um, water, so to speak, to go under the bridge. Pardon the pun, but um, look, things are things are looking pretty positive at the moment. Oh, that's terrific. So, Gus, you know what? I mean, putting a planting a crop this year, obviously considerations for obviously, is there going to be enough seed? What do you do with your seed to protect it to get out of the ground? Weed control, fungicide. Obviously, it's a bit further down the track, and we'll cover those topics more in future Bayer crop casts. But just right at the moment, what do you think growers in you know the regions you cover should be really thinking about right now? Well. I think uh, with this this early moisture, there's often obviously an opportunity there, particularly for mixed farmers with a, a grazing option, to get something in the ground and get some quick feed up and going because a lot of the countryside is fairly bare and there isn't a lot of feed around. I mean, it's just been B-double after B-double heading up the highway with loads of hay out of South Australia and Victoria. So this is, I guess, the opportunity to get something in the ground early for grazing purposes. Um, so... In terms of seed, you know, these long-season winter wheats are very popular, uh, as are the winter canola types, grazing canola. So there's a bit of that going in at the moment, um, which will be great and opportunistic for most. Um, I guess 
the flavour of the month last year or the flavour of the year really last year was barley. Barley was probably um, second year in a row the success story out of most of the crops grown last year. Just being shorter season, so and I think commodity prices and feed prices are pretty good. So we'll see a bit more barley going in again this year. And uh, a couple of days ago, I would have said that'd be at the cost of canola, but um, now that we've got subsoil moisture, then canola might be back in favour. Um, and with that barley, I guess um, barley on cereal rotation, uh, crown rot, and, and um, uh, rosatonia are probably major risks for for barley. Um, so I need to consider strongly, uh, I guess, what package you put up front to help reduce that risk. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, there'll be a, still a, a big chunk of main season wheats that'll get held off until at least the end of April, I think. But um, yeah. for now, the, the grazing opportunity crops are, are the ones that are probably going to be the most favoured. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's it. And I know even... Um from the western side of the country here, you know, truckloads of, of hay going across the Nullarbors. There's been some big, big trips going back and forth, that's for yeah. sure. And, um, yeah, even with the bushfires out on the Nullarbor and east of Norseman and around that area, it certainly held things up there for a while. But it's good to see that, you know, the country is getting back on track again after those um, those difficult times. So talk about, you know, barley there and the issues that might abound or happen there with, with root diseases in particular. I suppose that uh, makes me think about Evergold Energy as part of that package you talked about. I mean, there's lots of options, but Evergold Energy something that Bayer launched a couple of seasons ago and um, really important there to, to perhaps remind what the key features or what the key benefits of Evergold Energy are, Gus. Did you just want to cover a couple of those and why we might look at Evergold Energy? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as you said, it's a couple of years old now, the product, but we had a big year with it last year and yep. a lot of really good success stories, particularly um, for those who are growing barley um, and were worried about rhizoctonia. Um, we've heard a lot of good reports back about how well it, how well it um, suppressed rhizoctonia. Um, but I guess also in that barley market, loose smut has been a concern over the last few years and, and certainly not only from field reports, but from our own trial work, we're seeing that um, Evergold Energy does offer outstanding levels of um, control of, of loose smut, which is really important if you're retaining seed or um, even just for delivery, high, high levels of um, infection that delivery can can result in dockage. So but Evergold Energy also has registrations for, for pythium and, and suppression of crown rot and so on. And I guess um, I guess the next next uh, level of protection will be seen by people who utilise the Infaro registrations. So that's something that's reasonably unique to the Evergold Energy label is that we do have the ability to uh, apply the product to the seed and also to the furrow, um, which can result in improved levels of suppression, particularly on on diseases like rhizoctonia and crown rot. Yeah, it just we offers see. that next level of protection and flexibility. Yeah, we certainly see that. Um, quite a large use of that in Western Australia in particular. The infurrow flexibility um, is amazing and really does help out. So there's a lot more information at crop.bayer.com.au. If you just go in there, you can actually find all the resources about Evergold Energy. 
um, really important to note that um, all of our products, in fact, have their own dedicated page on our website, crop.bayer.com.au, and plenty of uh, good info as well as the labels and safety data sheets and whatnot. But Gus, you know, just one thing I want to say, last year was a really, um, you know, people really adopted Evergold Energy because of its great agronomic benefits in the crops. Um, and there were a few little issues that we need to acknowledge with some augers getting a bit coated and things like that. And, uh, you know, Bayer has worked through those with individuals that were affected and um, really important to understand that we we never walk away from these. We, we work very closely with people that have those issues. They were a small amount, but obviously annoying if you had to deal with it. And um, we are working towards some solutions there and overwhelmingly people are seeing the great benefits this product can bring. So as well as that infarrow flexibility, um, and if you need to know more about it, then get in touch with one of us or go to crop.bayer.com.au. Yeah, and I guess another point of contact too is our our territory manager network who have been working very closely with applicators on this um, and and uh, you know they they've got a, a lot of infield experience with it and absolutely as you said it's it's um, been hasn't been a major issue but it's been fairly random and and uh, we acknowledge it and working towards a, a, a positive outcome not only in the interim but long term as well yep that's right so yep the good agronomic benefits um, get it on the seed or in furrow and you'll realise those and yeah we'll work with everyone that. Uh, to, to make it, you know, as as available as possible and, and get it in the right place, Gus, so to speak. Yep. So that's Evergo Energy, Gus, and um, plenty of information available, as we just said. But, of course, you know, getting the crop in the ground, um, the wheat crop, let's um, – obviously we've got to control weeds as well. So we want to talk a little bit about some of the, you know, the pre-emergent options Sakura that Bayer has. Um, but we've also got another formulation there. So just want to remind listeners what that is about. Yeah, so we've introduced this year for its first commercial season the Sakura Flow formulation. So essentially it is just a, a lower loaded liquid formulation, SC formulation of peroxisulfone. Um, same grams active per hectare relative to the rate, same weeds on the label, same crop safety. Uh, but I guess it just offers a different option. Um, some people have a preference for a liquid uh, it's a low use rate still, relatively low use rate at 210 mils per hectare. So it mixes very readily um, and it provides the same benefits as Sakura in terms of the broad spectrum grass weeds, long uh, residual, which is ideal, especially for these earlier sown crops. Um, you don't want your, your pre-emergent herbicides running out of puff after eight or ten weeks uh, and then having to deal with grass herb, uh, grass weeds post-emergent in, in kind of late April, early yeah. May. Well, in some so cases, there, have, some cases, Gus, sorry, there's not, you know, there's also not really options available post-emergent at the no, moment that's either. that's right. That's right. We're very reliant now on pre-emergent herbicides and, and you know, yeah. the market's very comfortable with the performance that comes from Sakura and uh, this liquid formulation will be exactly the same. Yeah, beautiful. So Sakura granules still available and also Sakura flow. So both there and, you know, we've been hearing that perhaps there are some shortages of a few other pre-emergents or whatever, but in terms of Sakura at this stage, Gus, um, we haven't had any indications of any shortages, so that's good. No, no, that's right. And one of the benefits of the flow is that we can actually manufacture it here on shore. So um, we do have that ability to, to react to the market. Um, to an extent so yep so important yep. to uh, keep talking to your reseller distributor uh, agent who then in turn talk to us and just keep that dialogue open because we want you to grow a good crop out there yep exactly 
No worries. So, Gus, I think that's um, enough for just for this, this Bayer Cropcast, but we'll have you back on in future ones to cover a whole range of topics, and we'll be really looking forward to once we get the trial program in the ground, our field programs, to updating listeners on what we're doing there, and, of course, when the um, Bayer Connect events will be happening out in the field and opportunities to come along and have a look at you know, existing things that we've got, but also a range of other things we have in development at the moment as well, which are a couple of years away. Yep, looking forward to it, Whitey, and uh, looking forward to be able to sink our teeth into some more trial work and talk about the exciting things that are happening happening uh, out in the field with the upcoming season. No worries. Thanks, Gus. Great to have you on Bayer Cropcast. I'm just going to jump over the border now and have a chat with uh, Richard Jackman over the border up in Queensland. So, Gus, thanks very much for the moment. We'll catch up with you later on. Cheers, Whitey. See ya. Thanks, mate. Yeah, well, I just caught up with Gus McLennan in New South Wales and now heading over the border, as I said, catching up with Richard Jackman in Queensland. How are you today, Richard? Good, Whitey. How are you, mate? Yeah, going good, mate. What have you been up to recently? Mate, just bogging around in the mud, chasing a bit, uh, few gumblies. I'm about to run out of toilet paper. Oh, are you serious? Toilet paper? Yeah, yeah. The great uh, Australian crisis of running out of toilet paper everywhere. Well, we're not going to run out, apparently. It's just a bit of a supply issue at the moment. Um, yeah, I had the other day... In a shop, seeing the empty shelves, and another guy saying, "Isn't this just crazy? All this, um, this bulk buying of the toilet paper um, in the Great Australian Crisis." He said, "You know, if we use all the alternatives, such as gum leaves and old newspapers and things, we're going to end up with a new crisis. If we put them in the toilet, we won't have enough plumbers to unblock the cisterns and all the septics and stuff, Rich." Mate, what's the world coming to? Yeah, pretty funny stuff, but uh, <laughs> I guess. Taken seriously in some areas, but uh, please don't panic. But anyway, let's go on with uh, what's actually happening out in the, the area you work in, in Queensland, um, around the traps, and I'm sure you'll tell us some of the activities you're up to. But you know, what's going on with the weather there, Rich? You know, from the west side, we hear about the dry, of course, and now um, some really good rains in a lot of areas. I'm sure we can always take a lot more. And what's that going to mean for growers in your regions? What do they need to look out for into the uh, coming 2020 growing season? Righty. Um, it's changed a fair bit since we talked last time, but we've had anywhere between probably 150 to a few guys um, have had over 300 mils. There's on the downs, there's quite a large area of summer crop where people have had the opportunity to get in. Um, a lot of people are starting to talk about winter crop and getting excited. The profile varies dramatically from um, you know, guys that are saying they've got full to some people that are saying they've only had sort of half a profile at mm-hmm. the moment. The biggest issue is the intensity of the rain. So some of those big falls came down quickly and we just didn't get the infiltration. But yep. the upside is we're going to have a winter crop. You know, last year was probably the smallest ever winter crop for this northern region. This year we're going to have a fairly normal sort of winter crop. So we'll see what that how that turns out. We're not um, by any means guaranteed at the moment. We're a fair way off our normal planting dates, but we're certainly in line for um, a sort of normal crop at the moment, So, which yep. is good news. So as we approach the planting date, I guess, or in the lead up to it, what are some of the things you think growers should be thinking about in terms of crop protection and growing that crop? Well, the, um, very topical at the moment is stubble retention. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're probably a little bit lucky in the back end because we don't have um, 
we haven't had some paddocks haven't had crops for a couple of years. Uh, Longfellow disorders um, being very topical at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, people are out there doing their predictive bee testing just to understand what is sitting there um, disease wise. Um, and yeah, we're, we're really it'll be interesting to see where we end up when it comes to the pulse um, the pulse crop because you know we've gone a couple of years without. Without um, chickpeas through a lot of the areas, but um, if it continues to rain like we're, the patterns we're getting, um, we, we may end up with some ASCO and yep. some of our mold and sclerotinia, possibly, depending on the, how the season turns out. So yeah, yeah, so on that too, I've noticed when uh, seeing the empty shelves of toilet paper, back to that topic, and there's also not that many chickpea tins around. I hope we can grow some this year. I hope so, everybody. Um, we've got a... Um, a lot of aviators sitting there ready to go for the season, so um, which will, yeah, hopefully um, we'll get us get an opportunity to actually for people to actually try some in their in their um, pulses this year. Yeah, had, so Aviator yeah. X Pro really good option in those crops, and later by our crop cast we'll certainly talk about those once the crop is in and up and out of the ground and needing that. But um, you know, back to the I guess even the lead up now, what sort of you know will people be using seed treatments? You're talking about Predictor B, for example, um, identifying rhizotonia, crown rot issues like that. Do you think there'll be a need for Evergold Energy or will people be adopting that on the seed and in furrow application to handle those diseases or what's your feeling on that this year? Um, mixed comments, Whitey. Um, there, there's certainly been a switch uh, switched to um, seed treatments, particularly those who have been growing barley. Um, smut, smut's been a big issue for the last couple of years for the north, particularly those guys that have been growing um, irrigated barley. So mm-hmm. we we have been getting some good um, good interest in Evergold Energy with that. The, as a general rule, it's probably it's not as commonly used. There's, there has been an increase of um, Evergold slash our competitor products plus um, insecticides with um, mm-hmm. since Russian wheat aphid was introduced or just started being discussed and um, yep. yeah, likely to come through the north. But yeah, I hope I hope we're we're getting good interest and some good conversations starting around Evergold Energy and it has a really nice fit up in the north here for our, our key diseases, particularly since we have a lot of crown rot in our area. So it has a good fit in that in that segment as well. So Yeah, excellent. Look, you know, for listeners, lots of information available at crop.bayer.com.au and, you know, with Evergold Energy, um, certainly the very strong use of that in other regions of Australia um, just based on its, you know, really great return on investment that it provides um, and a class leader in the control of the loose smut, rhizoctonian crown rot and also pythium. So people really using that and wanting it. So if you want more information, please get in touch with Bayer. Uh, talk with Richard, myself, uh, the local territory business managers or whatever and um, understand what Evergold Energy can provide to you because obviously putting a crop in, we want it to get up out of the ground, be protected, Um, it's important. Yes, of course, you've got to spend a little bit of money there to do that but the return on investment is there, then why would you not have a a look at it at least and and get some experience with it in the new cropping season? That's right, yep. And also on that topic of root diseases, I was just was listening to a uh, dis- serial disease podcast that's put out by CCDM in Curtin University in Western Australia, and they had 
Dr. Stephen Simpendorfer on there talking about the Crown Rise Octonia issues specific to northern New South Wales and a little bit into Queensland and just with the rain profiles and things, you know, different diseases respond differently to different moisture profiles and also, you know, with the different cracking soils, um, differences between disease spectrums. So get the good information on that by checking out the Evergold Energy information and speaking to your plant pathologists and uh, Bayer representatives as well. Right. Yep. So Richard, you talked a little bit about the you know the rainfall now and the profiles picking up some of that water. Of course, you know runoff means that it's into the dams, not necessarily in the soil. But there must be a better picture emerging now for the cotton plant this season. And you know, can you just give us a little bit of insight into what's going on there, and also some exciting developments in the the cotton space? The rain's been below most of the catchment areas. So. Yep. The guys on the downs um, have had good rain, and a lot of those guys are getting close to on you know in a good way towards filling up their their on farm storage systems. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of allocation looking forward out of the river system. So, okay. yep. looking looking to the end of this season, we've got a long way to go, but we're starting to fill the profile. So, you know, the more rain we get up in the top ends of the catchment, the more likely we'll see those dams start to fill. But yep. Yeah, we've got a long way to go. But at least we're uh, at least we've started. <laughs> long, it's a lot different situation of what it has been. So, well, that's good, 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 good to hear, Richard. And um, yeah, all the best for that, and I hope that does continue because um, yeah, there's some good developments happening in the cotton space in terms of uh, weed control and crop protection. Can you just touch on a couple of those? Because I know you'll be setting up some trial work and planning field days for later on in the year or during the year as well. Yeah, Whitey, we're in the middle of our, um, we're probably halfway or yeah, just beyond halfway out through our XN flexed um, trial system. So I talked earlier in the oh, late last year regarding um, field field walks we had around on the downs, and we've got another one coming down in uh, coming up in Moree that um, we'll be taking people through, and then late March there's uh, another over the top. At, Field walk, which so that's looking at our Roundup Extend Flex um, system, and looking at all the new, the three different new modes of technology that we'll be able to use, um, which is in line for our field walk with the Grow of Year field walk at Gundawindi late March. So, Excellent. that's good. And uh, getting more information about when they're on, how do people find out, and you know to get along Look, to those, or you know even after the event if they weren't able to attend, or how do they get info? Yeah, by by any means, um, please give your local Bayer rep a contact or myself, um, or you can follow us on Twitter. Yeah, um, what's your like Twitter handle? What, how do people find you on Twitter, Richard? It's um, RJ Jackman one. RJ Jackman one. Yep. Yep. Beautiful. And, so you find that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I'll um, we we sort of keep. I've been putting a few photos up where where appropriate and anything that's of interest there. So. Uh, yeah, but look, the technology looks really good, body. the the whole The whole field walk is really about showing how to use our new products, um, from um, giving people an understanding of how they work, and um, yeah, how how we plan on stewarding the pro the new technology as we move towards launch in yep. the um, next couple of years. Yeah, that's the really important thing. And right back, you know, right through those Bayer Connect events that we held in Perth, Adelaide, the field ones we talked about with Gus and Richard, you know, you and I, 
for example, we do a lot of events in the field anyway, it's all about connecting information, seeing it firsthand, learning about it as we develop it so that when it comes to being available to growers to use, um, there's a lot of good information, good understanding over a range of seasons. We want these things to work for everyone that buys them and also last for a long time. So they become a useful tool in the integrated program. That's right. Yeah. So Richard, it's really good to hear how things are going in Queensland and northern New South Wales, um, certainly for the you know the, the various winter crops that are coming up. And I know you've got a strong program planned for 2020. Just what are some of the things you're going to be looking at and um, for 2020 that people will be able to get along and have a look at? Uh, well, we're, we're in the process of organising our trial plan again for um, the Pampas field site of Tassari. It'll be very similar set up to last year. We'll, again, include our large matrix with um, a number of um, competitors. So all our key, the key um, chemical supplies in the market will, again, be part of that. So the, we may not end up with 80 treatments, but it'll be close to 80 treatments um, again wow. this year that you'll be able to come and look at everyone's products all in um, in one spot and part of that will will also include some disease stuff in cereals and um, pulses and i'll um, be again looking at tag team again um, in pulse crops as well so yeah another full program sounds really good richard and yeah we talked last year i think it was episode nine on of bayer Cropcast, or it could have been episode 10 so listeners go back and have a look and listen to those richard gave a really good overview of what this um, matrix trial style is all about and sound like it was really successful in 2019 and it's going to be even better in 2020 rich that's right Marty. no we had we had good reviews a lot of good feedback so we're going to continue to do it but this year we'll um, we'll have a few more herbicides from the new bio portfolio range that's coming through so um, if you've heard heard anything about those and keen to see it yeah look us up and uh, or give us a call and we'll make sure yeah we'll let you know what's going on and that um, is easy to do with Richard to get in touch and what was that Twitter handle again once more RJ uh, Jackman one excellent at rj jackman one on twitter and of course you can get in touch with any of the people you've listened to today on this bayer crop cast uh, by getting in touch through crop.bayer.com.au and at the end of this podcast you'll also hear a 1800 number that you can get in touch with us so thanks rich it's been great to have you on board so we've covered the whole country a lot of topics uh, but listeners we're all available out there to get in touch with so please do that and uh, we'll look forward to speaking with you all and catching up again with you richard on the next bayer Cropcast. sounds good thanks Lloyd. good catch, to talk catch you later mate don't take all the gum leaves thanks for joining us on bayer Cropcast. To get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, phone 1-800-804-479 to get in touch with us or visit the web at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening.